Thomas Krauss School of Dance and Contemporary Etiquette. We aren't going to call again. Now, you want these free lessons or what? Welcome to 200 a Day, the podcast where we talk about the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I'm Nathan Paletta. And I'm Epidiah Rabishaw. And we are continuing our Summer of Wired. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're nearing the end, but not quite there yet. Uh, but this time we are coming to you with Season 1, Episode 17, Claire. Is this Wired's first Rockford Files? I do not know. Quick, to IMDb. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I have a ongoing bet that we finish this before IMDb becomes completely useless <laughs> on my computer. And by finish this, I mean our entire run of the Rockford Files. Right. Before you are driven to make your own TV yeah. uh, consulting website because this one just doesn't work oh, anymore. So bad. Oh, no. Oh, wait, there no. There's the Rockford Files. How do I click on the actual? Oh, there we go. He directed more episodes of Daniel Boone than he did direct of the of the Rockford Files. <laughs> I was just looking at that. Hey, he did Sleight of Hand. He did Sleight of Hand. So that was two episodes before this one. Yeah. I feel like Sleight of Hand has come up a couple times recently, but again, a an unusual tonal shift yeah. in the first season. So it's kind of interesting that that was his first um, directorial effort. Also, to my memory, very dark. Like a lot of it takes yeah. place at night. And so does this episode. A lot of this <laughs> episode takes place at night. Uh, more so than I think I'm used to seeing. I wonder, I'm sure there's production concerns for that kind of stuff. Like, well, we only have four days to, or I think they did six day shoots or whatever. So like, we only have six days to shoot and we're on day five and we're going to shoot tonight. Um, I have no idea how that work, that stuff works. Just a interesting bit of trivia. I mean, I think it's relevant. Like there's, hmm, we'll get to it when we get to it. But I think <laughs> there's some, some things about this episode are a little repetitious. And the fact that some of them occur at night breaks, breaks it up. So it doesn't feel too repetitious. Sure. Yeah. I can uh, see that. So we'll see. But yeah. So as we've established his second director credit on the Rockford Files, um, this one is written by Stephen Cannell and Edward J. Lasco. Um, Lasco, I believe, wrote Solo, uh, The Italian Bird Fiasco. Oh, right. Which was our episode 61 in November of 2019. I, I misheard, misinterpreted what you said. <laughs> and I thought you said he wrote Solo, and I was thinking of the Star Wars oh. film. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I was like, oh, well, he's still at it. Okay. I think he did write some something for for Star Trek at some point, but uh, here he um, he did the teleplay for Roundabout, which was our episode ninety six back in December twenty twenty one, which is wild because I still think of that as a recent episode. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, orally or orally, we haven't done it yet. Orally farewell, which we haven't done yet, uh, which is awesome this season. You know, he has a lot of of kind of credits here and there. He ended up a writer for and producer of Charlie's angels. Uh, so that's his, okay. the majority of his, his, the bulk of his work, uh, as a writer. And I noticed this time around looking at his stuff that he also has music credits, um, for writing and performance. Oh, uh, so nice. there's most extensively on Charlie's angels, but also for, um, other TV shows, one-offs and, and whatnot. Not, not on this episode, though. No, not on this episode. No, because there um, is there is a wonderful spooky banjo chase music near the end <laughs> of this episode that I 
I would like to just shake the hand of whoever did it, but uh, if it's not him, it's it's not him. Yeah, I don't know. I think I don't know if it's vocal performance, if, if mm-hmm. he was singing some of these things that he wrote lyrics for, or if it's performance, musical performance. Um, I don't know. I don't know how these credits work, but uh, yeah, uh, multi multi talented creator, I guess, is what I would say. But yeah, just looking at the other things that he did on the Rockford Files. I, I, I detect no through line. <laughs> it seems like all of these things are fairly different. The Italian bird fiasco is kind of a fun con game episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This one is not. This one's also co-written with Cannell. Um, so I don't know. I don't have any insight to share. Those are the details that I gleaned from looking at his uh, his resume. Uh, well, <laughs> For our listeners who also listen to Plus Expenses, which is our Patreon uh, backer-only pre-show show that comes out a week before each of our regular episodes, um, available to all subscribers of our Patreon at patreon.com slash 200 a day. Um, but on our conversation for that, I think we started talking about this episode <laughs> a little bit, which <laughs> yeah. we usually don't do. We usually don't talk about the Rockford Files on that show. We try not to. We try not to. It's hard. It's hard. But um, I don't know if we want to talk about it a little bit now or save it for for when we for when we get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. But the sense of going from looking at a lot of like season four, season five episodes and then coming back to season one is always an interesting, not negative, but notable shift. They're finding their feet, as you would expect. You know, the show hasn't calcified ossified in some way right like hasn't maybe become, gelled uh, it hasn't yeah gelled. gelled that maybe that's better it started off strong it's not like it had to like yeah experiment yeah. with a bunch of stuff to find out what worked but it was more like as just as production stuff smoothed out they found the characters they started bringing yeah. on particular talent the parameters of the sh- of the tone of the show definitely shift over the seasons it, it, it's it's kind of hard to talk about uh this without putting like a, a value judgment on it, which doesn't exist, right? Like I, I like both early and late Rockford yes, Files, yeah. and it's it it is just very interesting to see. Uh, you you could imagine this going from this point and becoming a very different show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also like like you had mentioned earlier uh, again in in our two hundred or our uh, plus expenses that like they're doing things like really letting you know who the characters are so that you're grounded in the series because this is the first season. Like we don't know who's watching. We don't know. Right. You're, you're 17 weeks in, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Each episode kind of has a little bit of responsibility to let you know some of the context for Jim. Yeah. In a way that like in the fourth season, that stuff just isn't there anymore. Like reminding you that he has a criminal record. Yeah. Like that one is just very prominent in this episode and it doesn't, it's not dreadfully important to the episode, but it just keeps coming up. It's important to, to a really good bit. Yes. Which we'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah. A bit that a later episode could have done without it, without having to influence it. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, yeah, all the all the context I kind of had in mind. I guess I I I did want to make clear that I find it kind of refreshing to be in the first season after doing the later seasons because yeah. the tone is so much more like I don't know. It, it's just it's more I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. It's more OG. This is how it started. This is how we yeah, were. Yeah. Like and, no, it's fun. It's and I think it's one benefit of how we accidentally structured the show, our show, 
is right. that because we jump around, we actually can see these shifts a little bit, where if we were doing it sequentially in, in airing order or whatever, because they happen gradually, maybe they wouldn't stand out as much. But I think it's interesting and valuable to, to do a, a you know five-paragraph essay-style compare and contrast <laughs> season one and season five of The Rockford Files. Like, stuff jumps out. That's all. Yeah, it definitely does. Including some of the fashion. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, I guess there's no reason not to get into our preview montage. We've, we've got stakes right away. Uh, clearly, uh, we don't know anything about Jim and Claire, but we, it feels like there's history. There's some trust issues. And then we get Jimmy. They're trying to kill me. Please. In one hour. <laughs> so we're like, okay, all right. There's a whole murder thing here. And then... In case you were wondering if this will be, like, just a lot of uh, interpersonal stuff, don't worry. We have a J-turn <laughs> right off the bat. We're going to have some good Firebird action going. Uh, lots of good threats. Uh, the other standout bit uh, was just him grabbing a mannequin, which <laughs> just screams, like, there's a fun scheme ahead. That's, mm-hmm. all, that's all I know. And then there's a captain that he uh, um, has to deal with, played by Jackie Cooper. That's right. In his first on-screen appearance, uh, he also was in The House on Willis Avenue. Um, uh-huh. But he directed multiple episodes as well. This is, again, we're in the early days of uh, Rock Profiles, so we have not actually settled on uh, Deal or right. uh, Chapman. And uh, we get this Captain Highland. Um, yeah, and Jackie Cooper do- directed five episodes, of which we've only done three. Oh, he also directed the Italian Bird Fiasco. Oh, and Orally Farewell, which we've not done yet. I think we also haven't done Say Goodbye to Jennifer. Yeah, We apparently have just skipped all the women's names episodes of the first <laughs> yeah, that's, season. <laughs> that's unintentional. But that's a good theme for us to close out when we're done with Wired. <laughs> so we're finishing the Jackie Cooper acting cycle but right. we still have jackie cooper directing, directing to, to finish yeah. and as always i can't see him in this era without thinking of his character in the colombo episode where he's the uh where he's the senator that makes it look like an attempt on his life got the wrong man in order right. to kill his aide who's you know keeping him from having the affair he wants to have or whatever anyway one of the one of the great episodes 200 a day is a 100 percent listener supported show Thanks to our patrons. In addition to our gratitude and editing access to our 200 Files Files spreadsheet, patrons receive exclusive episode previews and plus expenses. Our bonus just chatting podcast about media, work, and life. We expend special thanks to our gumshoe patrons supporting this episode. Brian Burnson has a Facebook page where he drives his Rockford tribute car to shooting locations from the show. Check out facebook.com slash Brian Rockford Files. Join Mitch Hampton to examine all matters aesthetic at the Journey of an Aesthete podcast. And Paul Townend recommends the podcast Fruit Loops, Serial Killers of Color. You can find these shows wherever you get your podcasts. Dale Norwood wrote a book. It's about fast ships, cheap drugs, and American political economy, published by the University of Chicago Press. Find Trading Freedom, How Trade with China Defined Early America, wherever good books are sold. Chuck from whatyoureading.com 
Shane Liebling has all of your online dice rolling needs sorted at his site rollforyear.party. And check out Jayadon's amazing miniature painting skills at jayadon.com. In addition, thanks to Andre Apignani, Tom Clancy, Pumpkin Jabba Peachbug, Dave P., Dave Otterson, Kip Holly, Dale Church, and Colleen Kelly. And finally, special appreciation for our detective-level patrons. Joe Greathead, Michael Zalisco, Eric Antenor at Antenor on Twitter, Brian Pereira at Thermoware, Jordan Bockelman, not Brockelman, at Jordan Bockelman, Bill Anderson at BillAnd88, and of course, Richard Haddam at Richard Haddam. If you're interested in keeping us going for as little as $1 an episode, check out patreon.com slash 200 today to see if becoming a patron is right for you. But this is not, this episode is not about mm-hmm. Congress people or fake murders it's about real murders um and at least one way as we'll find out as we get it as we get into it oh i did notice and obviously we will see it in the show but the i noted the fun as opposed to a uh, car chase or gunshots we end the preview montage with jim telling the police <laughs> captain that he has style and him just ending on a sardonic i know <laughs> yes we know where the heart of the action is going to be. Yeah. Well, speaking of action, we start our episode uh, at night at Jack's on the Beach, uh, mm-hmm. a beachside lounge of some kind. And we have good action-y music. As we watch a woman wearing an incredible hat run out of the place uh, into a car, peels out of the parking lot. Two goons follow, jump mm-hmm. into their own car, peel out to follow, and we have um, a non-scored, uh, all-diegetic sound car chase Yeah, uh, through the night. So many good squeals. With lots of squeals. <laughs> and one of our good tropes that we haven't seen in a long time. I remember yeah. this happening in another episode and talking about it, but that was like, could have been five years ago. I don't remember. But the flying hug cap where the yeah. goon car comes around a curve and the hub cap just pops off. You gotta love a flying hubcap. I don't know. I don't know why we don't see that more often in television. <laughs> I mean, obviously, in the seventies, like all these cars look heavy. I, I mean, I know cars are heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but when they take these corners and like the entire, the whole body of the car swallows the tires yeah. up. <laughs> oh yeah, good, good, good stuff. Per the uh, two hundred a day Rockford Files files, this primary goon car is a nineteen seventy four Imperial LeBaron. Ah, and her car is that uh, on on the Rockford that Files? That one was files? not noted in the uh, oh. in the spreadsheet. I think I think it's a Mercedes. I'm not willing to make any claim on on model or make of these cars if I'm not looking at it on my screen. I've been burned too many times. I I have too, but I think I think it's a Mercedes. I think there's a Mercedes symbols on, on the front. Uh, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, you, you could yell, please correct me. Uh, <laughs> Director dear corrections to Epi. I, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> Just as I was going to make a note of, it's awfully convenient how little traffic there is for this chase. Uh, we have the bit where a car comes out of a driveway and the mm-hmm. goon car has to swerve to avoid hitting it. So good job on uh, anticipating my critique there. <laughs> We get a cut to show us that there's a hotel that uh, the so th- this woman is Claire. Uh, yeah. I think we know that from the preview montage uh, from her face. Uh, but we can also kind of assume. Right. <laughs> so the shot switches to show us the hotel that Claire is going to arrive at. She swings up 
in front of the doorman, jumps out of her car. Uh, she He clearly knows her, addresses her as Miss Prescott. And she says, if anybody asks for me, you don't know me, please. And runs <laughs> into the hotel. This is good business with, with the uh, doorman. I like how all this plays out. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah, the goons follow, of course. They start peeking into her car because she just left it there. Yeah. Uh, then they um, accost this doorman, ask, asking him where Claire Prescott, uh, which apartment number is hers. We've been introduced to our goons. Mm-hmm. Can, can I tell you now about the, I'm trying to think, where I thought IMDb was broken because of these goons, right? Uh, the first goon to speak is Stone, is his name. Uh, I don't know that. I look at IMDb, the pictures are really small. Mm-hmm. This doesn't even seem like enough characters for this show, right? <laughs> like, this is, this is a very small cast list or whatever. So I don't, I'm like, oh, there's something wrong. They, they haven't done anything right. Because I heard this guy's voice and I was convinced that this was Robert Stack of uh, Unsolved Mysteries fame. <laughs> he has the smoothest Unsolved Mysteries voice, and he has a very ro- young Robert Stack look to him. Hmm. But this is Lance Legault. Hmm. I, I mean, I would just say he's like a he's like a he's kind of another Robert Stack. This <laughs> is how I would. Uh, but he's been in a lot of things that I've probably just assumed he was Robert Stack in. So that's the thing that I've uh, that I've learned about myself watching this episode. Hmm. Yes, is that the the one who ends up? It's the one with the shotgun. The one with the shotgun at the end. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say because the other one is the used guys. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I would say does not sound like Robert Stack. No. Claire Prescott. What's her apartment number? I don't know. We don't have a Claire Prescott here. Now come on, Pop. I want to spread your teeth all over the sidewalk. I'm very sorry, sir, but come on, let's check the boxes. But it is the Rocker Files, so we like to, you know. Like, I get the feel that Stone is the calm one. Right, right. Or the, yeah, the intellectual one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's probably it. Like, Willet, which is the other one. Mm-hmm. I, I, you get the idea that he's the, he's going to beat you up. They're great, though. They're really good, really good goons together. We see Claire getting stuff out of her closet in her room. The doorman calls to tell her that two men are looking for her. Yeah. See, this, this is the stuff I like. Yeah. The doorman could have just disappeared at this point. They could have beat him up. They could have, uh, but instead he's in play and there's this complex cat and mouse thing going on that he's involved in. Right. Uh, That's great. Yeah. And you get the sense that like he's trying to do right by someone who's probably been nice to him and is like also like a guest at the hotel and he has like a professional responsibility, but he's not going to put his his life on the line. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a sense of relief when they just ignore him to go look at the yeah. mailboxes. <laughs> but then he calls her to say the two men are looking for her. I'm going to call the police. And she says, no, no police. I'll take care of it. Um, and then before she leaves, <laughs> she stops. She goes back to the phone. We see her thinking for a second. She picks it up and then she places a phone call. Yeah. Cut to Jim wearing an outfit. I swear my grandfather has worn during my lifetime. <laughs> Which is a bright red sweater over a big lapeled button-down shirt that's white with red and blue plaid stripes. But it's not plaid. <laughs> it's a plaid yeah, yeah. pattern of stripes, but they're very thin. And it's a white shirt with the stripe. It's great. It's a great look. Um, should we talk about Claire for a second? Who is sure. played yeah. by uh, Linda Evans. Yeah. Linda Evans is one of those people where I feel like if I was older, I would be like, oh, Linda Evans. But right. I, but I had to look her up. 
Um, she was in the Farnsworth stratagem as well. I believe she was the the woman that was trying to con, trying Jim, to con that Jim. Joined his con, right? Right, and she was part yeah. of the gangster con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny that you should say that if you were a little bit older. You would be like, oh, that's Linda Evans. Because M walked into the room while I was watching it. And she's like, oh, it's that woman from Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's from Dynasty. Uh, 206 credits of that show. She was one of the yeah. main one of the main characters on Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, among lots of one-offs of 70s and 80s TV and a previous soap opera before Dynasty. Um, sounds like she's had a very interesting life. And I know this primarily because if you click through to her bio on IMDb... If you read someone's bio on IMDb, at the bottom, it says who was submitted by. (laughs) (laughs) Was it submitted by Linda Evans? It it does indeed. Now, was it submitted by Linda Evans, the actress, or was it submitted by Linda Evans, the character from the 1981 Fall Guy, (laughs) played by Linda Evans? I think she played herself. Fall Fall Guy was a stuntman, I think. Couldn't tell you. So, yeah. Probably a guest star thing. I mean, so I don't know if it's literally her or someone who thought it would be a good bit to make a right. IMDb yeah. account by the name of Linda <laughs> Evans. However, it, the the bio, which is fairly, you know, it's not it's not terribly it's a good bio, it's a good summary, but it ends with Linda's often lavish and luxurious life has rivaled Crystal Carrington's which is her character from Dynasty. Mm-hmm. She has dined with queens and presidents, been romanced by the rich and famous, and today, what Linda treasures most is the wisdom she has gained along the way. <laughs> yes! Good on you, Linda. So it sounds like she's doing great. She apparently won a season of Hell's Kitchen, the 2009 season. Mm-hmm. I've never yes, watched Hell's Kitchen. I saw that she but... was on the credits for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she was like considered, you know, she was on lists and stuff of like the most beautiful woman in America... She has a Hollywood star. She's won daytime Emmys. Like, she's, you know, a laudable um, character in television. I believe these roles, her Rockford Files appearances, I believe, are a little pre, pre-Dynasty. pre Yeah, it's between the two, uh, between the Big Valley and, and Dynasty, which were her two big roles. Uh, she's still alive, yeah. which is I, something I had to check independent of IMDb, because if she wrote her bio in IMDb. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. She seems like she's just living her best life. Mm-hmm. Apparently she lives in the Pacific Northwest somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, I was just tickled by the uh, by the fact that I read the biography and got to the bo- bottom and said, <laughs> by Linda Evans. <laughs> Good for you. That's Good great. for you, Linda. Um, she's fine in this. Uh, I think I probably like her character in Farnsworth Stratagem a little more. Yeah, there's more for the character there. Like, so um, one of the other things we brought up in uh, our, our discussion pre-show, which we should... Shouldn't do. If you want to listen to Plus Expenses. Yeah, you know you know how to get to it. Um, was this feeling that I had seen, that we had done this episode before, yes. right? Mm-hmm. We had this feeling that, like, both Nathan and I discovered independently that we double-checked to make sure we had not done this episode before. And, and if we have, and you can prove that we have. <laughs> then I don't know what time-space continuum slipping yeah. we've entered, but that's fine. Um, but there were definitely things in this episode, which I'll point out, which either... I don't even know if they are from remind me of something from an episode that we did or what, but like, I just had this very strong deja vu with it. And some of that might be because Linda Evans mm-hmm. was, was on it before, but yeah, this character as we'll soon find out is um, there's some history between her and Jim. 
Right. She's an old flame. It's an old flame. I mean, the summary of the episode tells us that. So, yeah. like, it's pretty straight. It's pretty clear from, from that. In the pre- and But it's pretty clear from the preview montage as well. And, and usually they do some really good stuff with that. But in the Farnsworth stratagem, having her be trying to run a con on him and then joining his con, just... It's more interesting. It, it's, a hard, it's hard to beat that dynamic, right? Like, it, you just can't. This, yeah, this one I think I... When I did our Patreon preview, uh, which I wrote before we've done this recording because of how our timing has worked out this month, um, I think I said like, oh, well, we haven't seen a Jim's Old Flame episode in a while. like Because yes. that's definitely a typology. There are a number yeah, yeah. of Jim's Old Flame episodes. Uh, perhaps enough that we could end up doing some kind of ranking or maybe ranking, but do some kind of like draft or something to uh, to talk about them. I guess spoiler alert for my overall feelings of the episode. This is not a bad episode, but... It, there's not a lot that stands out to me to mm-hmm. keep it, you know, fresh in my memory as we do other episodes. I would love to get an account of women that Jim almost married. <laughs> well, and also specifically, okay, so we, we need to talk okay. about the episode, but specifically yeah. <laughs> the the proportion of those that Rocky approves of to disapproves, because that does, right. I think that is the unique qualifier here. Yeah, yeah. This might be the only one I can remember where Rocky disapproved of her. Yes, yes. That's another bit that stuck in my head. So maybe this episode, for some weird reason, stuck in my head, and I just thought we had done it. But mm. uh, anyways, what we're missing here is that Jim is doing Rocky's taxes. Right. And I think that that's the beat <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> yep, he's going over Rocky's taxes. Um, this first couple, this first 30 seconds is a rich text. Um, yeah. he, he's got his great outfit. He's going over Rocky's taxes. Rocky is trying to claim a check that he wrote to Jim <laughs> as a, an expense, but yeah. the check bounced. So yes. Jim never got it. And he had to get the money from LJ in the end for whatever it was. And, and also it, it, it was a loan. So right. It, it, yeah. None of this is, I mean, Rocky just doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to his tax. I mean, you know, the tax code has changed a number of times since you know, yeah. 1974, 1975, but uh, as our resident tax expert, <laughs> oh God. if if I wrote you a check for a business expense of yours, do I get to claim that as a business expense? No. Um, let's see here. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that depends on the, our working relationship. That's that's true. Uh, but like, okay, if you wrote me a check as a loan, right? Right. Uh, then what that loan for you is, uh, you just moved money from your cash. Mm-hmm to your uh uh to another asset that is this loan right that is that money i owe you right so you've not lost money you don't right. have cash on hand i haven't spent money yeah you haven't spent money so it's not an expense uh please don't take my advice as this is not tax advice <laughs> This is me thinking back several years to when i took tax class in uh in accounting school right um and th- i mean like this is that's how I think it would go down. I think it's the same. They're both assets, cash and accounts. Uh, like accounts receivable. receivable. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure if they would like technically be an accounts receivable or just, just like having a loan out to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it technically should be able to call that in at some point. And you may even be making, Rocky wouldn't be, but you might even be making interest off of right. it. So you, you might owe taxes on the interest. Yeah. 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 Anyway, again, Neither here nor there. It is nice to hear that LJ uh, ended up mm-hmm. helping cover the spread. Um, and then uh, Jim answers the phone. 
James Rockford, private investigation and tax specialist. <laughs> <laughs> it is in, indeed Claire, and he says, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yes, a very, very icy reception. She needs to meet where we used to go in one hour. They're trying to kill me. Please, one hour. Mm-hmm. So, as you say, the stake's immediately high. Uh, after Jim hangs up, Rocky immediately knows who that was, and we get some of the exposition to fill in our background. How long has it been now? Three years, maybe? Rocky says that she dropped him like he was on fire, and it <laughs> took him six months to get over it. There's more banter here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we, we end with Jim saying he's, he's intellectually more mature now, and he can handle it. Yeah. What we get established is that Rocky didn't like her. <laughs> Yeah, rare. Uh, rare. Uh, Jim, it really, it was a really bad breakup. It took mm-hmm. Jim a long time to get over it. And, like, things might have been weird with her. Like, their relationship itself sounds like it was, had tension. Yeah, so this is the thing. Later in the episode, I tried to puzzle out. And I cannot remember if this is solved earlier. Does Rocky not like her because she dumped him and just, like, disappeared? Or... Did Rocky not like her before she dumped him? And I think later on, it's implied that Rocky always had a bad feeling about I think about so. I, I think there might be a line to that effect, like, you never liked me, or something like that. Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, because, well, first of all, I could always... You, you could see Rocky changing his feelings about someone, and then him believing that his feelings were always that way, right? right? Yeah. Like, like, you could see that. I think he's even done that with, like... Uh, uh, what's his name? Dick Van Patten? Uh, or no, it wasn't Dick Van Patten. Who was it that was the, the, oh God, where they had like the big fight in the cardboard boxes. Oh, oh, the Aaron Ironwood, the episode yeah, is the yeah. Aaron Ironwood. Aaron Ironwood, yeah. School of Success. It's, um, uh, James Hampton is the actor. Yeah. Why did I think it was Dick Van Patten? I don't know. I mean, uh, Dick Van Patten's sister was on the Rockford Files, in uh, yeah, Joyce uh, Van Patten. Joyce Van in, in um she was the really into Dennis. Uh in the first uh uh Anthony Boy, the first Anthony Boy story. She was the cop chaser. Uh they have similar kind of faces. They definitely have different builds though. All right, never mind. You can ignore me. <laughs> this has been uh the messed up IMDB that is in Effie's head. Where were we? So yeah, similar to like uh, uh, the character of Aaron Ironwood, which is like the the uh, adopted brother yeah. of of Jim. Uh, yeah, I was just bringing that up because I thought maybe Rocky changed his opinion of it and that of him, and just assumed that he always had that opinion of him. But anyways, right. yeah. it's neither here nor there. The point is, uh, there's clearly been a Rocky. Uh, <laughs> there's mm, a troubled relationship mm. between uh claire and jim um again this is early times this is first season so like all of history happens just before first season i don't know i feel like history in television shows is a little bit shorter in the first season sure. just because you don't have by the end six seasons right mm. like we'll, we will be with jim for longer than these two have been broken up uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the setup, I guess, is what, what we'll get at here. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to bring this back around. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do come, come and do some good, solid, uh, credits, uh, mm-hmm. and, and score as we watch Jim driving with a nice, like from the hood of the Firebird 
full facial uh, uh, shot. And uh, Jim, the place they used to meet apparently is the zoo. I don't know why I didn't think to mention this before, but I saw a copper firebird <laughs> for sale uh, last weekend. What? I know. And I, I I wanted to buy it so bad, uh, but I think it's later years. I don't, th- I don't think Jim would have approved of it. Mm. Anyway, sorry, go on. Next time you see one, we can see if it's a, uh, a goal for our Patreon. To, oh, right. <laughs> well, they don't do goals anymore, but maybe we can do a fundraiser to communally, uh, communally pick up a uh, bronze firebird at some point. Anyhow, we go to uh, Jim waiting at the zoo to meet Claire. He's waiting. He sees her uh, before she sees him. And we have some good facial acting from both of them. Yeah. You know, seeing the other person, being glad that they're there, but also then feeling like the old, you know, like the old feelings are coming back already. You see tension kind of from the get go. She's glad he came. She's really wanted to call him since they broke up. Had the phone in her hand 20 times, but never did it. Guess I really messed us up. Roughly once every two months since (laughs) they've been broken up. Thanks for doing the math. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Claire says it feels good to be together again, and Jim is a little dubious. He's like, yeah, feels really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is where she asks, how's Rocky doing? He never liked me. <laughs> and Jim says, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. well, he probably had his reason. <laughs> um, she didn't want to end them, but she had to, and Jim wants to get to the point. You've changed. You used to be a hopeless romantic. Well, I'm willing to let you off the hook for old times. Something went wrong, didn't work out for us. Both bled a little, now it's over. So you get the sense that maybe this particular relationship led to him changing his, how emotionally vulnerable he was, uh, you know, willing to be with people. Man, I'm reading a little into it, but. No, I think you, I think you're right. I think you got, you're on to something there. But he does say, want my help? Tell me what's going on. Um, she expected him to be mad and he's like, I got over it. Right. Yeah. I, he, I mean, he's clearly mad, but yeah. like not, not, uh, he's not going to admit it. He's, he's, um, he's trying to be mature about it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, Claire wants Jim to find a Charlie Manning. Jim says, well, wait a second. Who's trying to kill you? Mm-hmm. She only said that to get him to come. She was worried he wouldn't <laughs> agree to come if she didn't tell him that things were that, that dire. So he tells her to go to the cops and she doesn't want to go to the cops. Can't go to the cops. She's not asking for much. She has an address and a description. You know, there's a bar. And if he's not there, tell the bartender and give him your number. But he can't know that I'm the one who's asking. But that when he calls you, you have him call me. So there's this whole set of layered obfuscations here. Jim is a little hesitant. She wants him to promise he won't go to the cops. And Jim says that he promises and he'll think about it. He gives Claire a ride back to her hotel. Drops her off, and we end their interaction with, no police, you promise. (laughs) And he nods and says, I'll call you. Then he goes to a phone booth and immediately calls Dennis. (laughs) Yes. So this is, um, uh, I don't know if we would call these jokes in the cut, but Mm -hmm. this parallels the earlier one where she says, no police, I'll handle it, and then calls Jim. Mm -hmm. There's a fun bit there, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, going on. Uh, I will say this whole zoo scene this is when I stopped to look to see if we've done this one before. But I think I am thinking of the a very recent one we did where the two hitmen mm-hmm. meet 
uh, is it, it was like the fourth man? The fourth I think, man, maybe. yeah. Yeah, and they may have even met at the same zoo. You know, probably. You know, how many zoos can there be in the world? But uh, uh, and had like a little tete tete. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is like it, it was a it was a good seat. There was clearly icy feelings between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this weird thing where she lies and says that they, nobody's trying to kill her. She just lied about that. Right. And Jim's reaction to it, uh, I, I think, indicates something about their relationship where at, over the years he's he's realized that she was very not trustworthy. Because if somebody did that to me, if they're like, they're trying to kill me, I need your help, and then I get there, and they're like, oh, I just made, made that up to get you there, I would be already in my car driving back home. <laughs> well, you are no Jim Rockford. <laughs> I'm no Jim Rockford. I will say that. I, we've just stated, I don't even have a Firebird. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think what we get out of this scene, the, these are all Jim traits, right? Right. He, uh, if someone's in trouble that he thinks he can help, he's naturally yeah. gravitates he's towards wanting to help. He doesn't even do the two-step where he's like, no, I can't help you, and then gets drawn back in. Like, he's kind of yeah. like, there's a bit of a fatalism, I think, to his body language and his acting, where it's like, well, I can't not get involved. <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit of, I owe you that much. It's a little bit of, if you're really in trouble, I want to help. Yeah, I'd never forgive myself if... Uh... Yeah. It's a little bit of, I want to find out what's actually going on, because you're clearly not being straight with me. Um mm-hmm. There's kind of a distance here that he's trying to keep. Let me see if I can figure out what's going on before committing to helping you, because I don't even know what you really want from me. Yeah. Um, so, of course, uh, his own dishonesty. He promises he won't call the police, then he immediately calls Dennis. <laughs> oh, Dennis is just a friend. He's not right. calling the police. <laughs> There's a great, again, good oh. off-the-bat banter here where Jim calls, Dennis answers. Becca. Hey, Becker, this is Jim Rockford. Can't help you, Jim. How do you know I want anything? Well, it's not the cocktail hour, Jim. Won't you call to buy me a drink? Not exactly. Then you want something. <laughs> yes. Yes, Dan. And this is a really great, uh, efficient screenwriting bit here. I yeah, think, yeah. Where he asks Dennis if they have anything on Claire Puck Prescott or Charles Manning. And we see Dennis's face kind of set. And he says, <laughs> I'll need to run it through the computer in his I'm trying to buy time voice. Right. We're probably early enough in the Rockford Files that we as the audience don't think that Jim would be suspicious of Dennis just offering to run it by the computer right. anyway. Right. Like, because mm-hmm. if this were fifth season mm-hmm. and he's like, I go run this by the, uh, let me run this by the computer. Jim would be like, wait, why is Dennis lying to me? Jim would <laughs> like, hang up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> But there's a great beat where he just, like, puts his hand over the mouthpiece, mm-hmm. you know, pretends like he's going off to do something. We cle- we see he clearly knows at least one of those names, if not both. Yeah. And then he comes back and says, no wants, no arrests on Claire Prescott. And what's the other name? Yeah, not <laughs> him either. What's this about? And Jim says he doesn't know yet. And so he hangs up. Dennis makes another call. Calls to Captain Highland. A very high-energy Jackie Cooper. Yes. <laughs> So it's not the Claire Prescott name that's that that Dennis, you know, twigged onto. It is Charles Manning. Mm-hmm. I was like, who's this? Like, uh, he's a P.I. Yeah, he's like a P.I. But of his that like, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that because Dennis, he sneaks it, not sneaks in. But the way that he introduces Jim to Highland, mm-hmm. this is one of those kind of first season things is to give us 
the detail in case we haven't watched before that Jim has a rap sheet. Yeah. What's his name? Rockford. Rockford. Yeah, we got a rap sheet on him. He did some time. Well, get out to where he's at, pick him up, and get his butt in here. It, do- it doesn't, like, stick out like a sore thumb, but it is, No, like, it doesn't. It's, good. it's well done. But, but it's like, yeah. oh, this is a first season episode, because <laughs> we need to know this context. He also just tells the captain that Jim called him to to uh, look somebody up in the computer, or something like, like a very much, like, uh, the kind of thing that Deal or Chapman would have chewed Dennis out. Right, right. Right, like, why why are you letting this PI do this, right? Like, this isn't... Uh, but that that is beneath the captain's concerns right now. Highland says to pick pick Jim up. Uh, he says, well, I don't know if he's going to be home. You know, he might have been at a payphone. Well, find out where he is and then pick him up. He says he doesn't <laughs> want any excuses. Lots of mystery. Not really anything to go on for us yet. Yeah, no, this is very much a just sit back and watch it on, on spool kind of yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, we now have Jim going to Jack's at the beach to follow up on this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what he's been asked to do by Claire. Order scotch and water, tall glass. It's a 90 cent order. This guy's got the captain's jacket going with mm-hmm. the apple or whatever in the shoulders. This is a very classy joint. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. This is, yeah. So Jim asks about Charlie Manning. We have a, a, a focus shift in the camera yeah. to see the two goons who are sitting at the bar, kind of at the far end of the bar past Jim. So we see that they're listening. And then we, you know, come back to Jim and the bartender. He gives... There's a it's, a it's a nice smooth line where he's like, oh, it's 90 cents. And he gives the bartender, here's 20. You know anything about Charlie Manning? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he was in there earlier. He came in alone. And then he, he stops answering questions. And Jim gives him his card and says, if he comes in again, have him call me. $20 doesn't buy much these days, does it? <laughs> uh, the bartender glances at the goons as Jim leaves. And then the goons leave to follow Jim. Just a note about Jack's at the beach. Uh... Thanks to Rockford Files filming locations.blogspot.com for mm-hmm. uh, being on the ball with this episode, both for this and the other location that we'll get to. But this one, because as you say, this is a classy joint, uh, has a little detail about this this place from the time. It was yeah in Santa Monica on the pier. It's been, you know, it's been torn down. So there's an anonymous comment on the Rockford Files filming locations entry for Jack's on the Beach from 2018 that says, I was the last person to work outside on the old, I don't know if POP pier, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, I was the last person to work outside on the old pier as a parking attendant for Jack's at the Beach. They were tearing it all down during 74, which would have been like right after this was yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, shot. Each day I come to work to find more missing. Yet still the stars came for dinner. Cagney, Newhart and Rickles, Gregory Peck, etc. That parking attendant sign left near the door was locked up the night before by me. 70s L.A., fraying at the seams, but still classy and full of character. That's great. What what a eulogy. That's that's wonderful. So again, it's an anonymous comment on the internet, but sounds good to me. Yeah. We are going to take a little break in the middle of our episode here so that we can stretch, maybe get a beverage or a snack, and talk about the other places that you can find us on the internet. Epi, if our listeners want more Epi, where can they go to get Maximum Epi? You can find uh, me at my website, digathousandholes.com. That's dig1000holes.com. Or you can get my sword and sorcery fiction and games at worldswithoutmaster.com. That's worlds, plural, master, singular, 
If you want to engage with me on the social medias, the best place to go right now is Mastodon at Epidia at Dice.Camp. Nathan, if they want to get Maximum Nathan, where do they have to go for that? I should have gone Maximum Nathan. Maximum Nathan can be found at my website, ndpdesign.com. That's the hub for all my stuff on the internet, including all my uh, role-playing games, zines, and other podcasts. Uh, So if you're interested in pro wrestling detectives Mm -hmm. or zines about pro wrestling, (laughs) (laughs) among other things, um, those are all at my website. It also has links to contact me in other ways. Currently, I'm still... um, Posting on Instagram at Andy Paoletta. That's where I'm posting pictures of my dog. Uh, you can also find me at cohost, cohost.org slash NDP. That is a fun, small scale social media site that I'm enjoying quite a lot. And now we return to the continuing adventures of Jimbo Rockfish. This is the point in my personal journey when I look at IMDb again and then realize that this is not Robert Stack. <laughs> They follow Jim. We watch them pursue. We see Jim notice he's being followed and hit the gas. And the chase mm-hmm. is on. So yeah. we had the earlier chase that was during the day. This chase is at night. It's essentially mm-hmm. the same, um, you know, including the same goon car and everything. But I found it to be a welcome shift to the night context because, like, it just looks different. Yeah. The lights really pop, like, all the neon lights and car lights and street lights. Like, everything's very dynamic. Um, so it's kind of a fun visual journey to watch essentially the same chase. Uh, however, this one does end with Jim rolling into a dead end. And the goons cut him off with their, uh, what did I say, 74 LeBaron? And jump out with guns. One of my favorite moments of acting before this gets going is when Jim is in. They're they're following him, and Jim realizes that they're following him, and he gives three glances to the rearview mirror. <laughs> and you, I mean, obviously, part of acting is the audience putting something on what they're seeing on the screen, but it really does feel like Jim is figuring out that he's being followed. Mm-hmm. He's like, hmm, hmm. You know, like it's the thinking it through kind of yeah. thing. And I, I really appreciate that. And of course, I appreciate the J-turn that comes out of this. Does he do a J-turn during the chase? Yeah, he's so he's heading down. He does a J-turn and he's going to come back the other way. And that's what gives them uh, the opportunity to get in front of him. I must have been looking at my typing this, when I was doing that because I think I blinked and missed it. Which this is, is the danger of typing while watching a Rockford Files. I, 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 that often happens to me too. But yeah, that, I think that's what sets it in the position where they're able to cut him off. Yeah, because he's ahead of them the rest of the way. Um, so we have some good classic Jim dissembling oh, at the beginning so here. Good. Where they so say good. to get out, he says, "I beg your pardon." <laughs> He claims that he's out on a collection and uh, our other guy. So it's what Stone and what's the other guy? Will it? Will it? Will it has a good line here. I don't know you 10 seconds already. I got a stomach full of you. Now, number one, he asked you who you were and why he was asking about Charlie Manning. You can't answer that or you want to get stuffed in a canvas bag and planted right here. I think I'd rather answer. (laughs) So when he was talking to Claire, I think she says... Or implies, and then he says that she's into a loan shark, and that Charlie's the one who can get her out of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the story she t- she's telling him, like why she's in trouble. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where that. I feel like that was before this because I remember when I was taking these notes when he says he's a PI on a collection, 
Yeah. He's... And and the response is, I don't know you 10 seconds. I was kind of like, oh, like if these guys were loan sharks, they would know, yeah, they would know him, him yeah. or something. Like I just had that thought. It's not part of the plot or anything, but so I think I just skipped over saying she had implied that as, as yeah. what was going on. But yeah, he says he's a PI. He does collections when things are, are slow. Are you trying to say Charlie Manning is into a loan shark? And they <laughs> give him a stomach punch, take his wallet, see that he's a PI at least. So I guess that yeah. part of the cover is good. And they say, we know that's a lie. Charlie's a vice cop. He wouldn't be into a loan shark. Mm-hmm. Jim doesn't know that. Uh, so they say, let's try again. And he's like, you're not going to like this. I don't know why <laughs> I'm looking for him. So they say, well, let's take him to Tony. So they're hustling him into the car. And oh, we have so good. a good. <laughs> so I say classic. I think as the series goes on, this is the template mm-hmm. for the Jim gets the drop on an assailant maneuver. Yeah. Sure, there's two guys. Sure, they have guns. But they put themselves in a physical position trying to push him into the backseat of their car to where he can mule kick the guy behind him, (laughs) sends him staggering so he can grab the guy next to him, slam his head into the car, and take control of the situation. It's it's great. Part of it is, yeah, Jim's pretty handy in a fight. But also part of it is Jim running a con on them, right? Like, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll cooperate, right? And their defenses drop a bit. Because they think they've got they they've yeah they think they're in beat charge. it out of them yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah there's this good bit where he I think he picks his own wallet off the ground I think so so he gets the gun right? right like he gets a gun and he picks his own wallet off the ground and tosses it to Willet Willet catches it with his right hand so then Jim's like okay now with your left hand right he's like oh you're right handed so with yeah. your left hand take your gun out yeah. It's very good. It's oh, a it's, it, good. it's a great uh, tradecraft bit. Mm-hmm. And then he 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 orders them through the whole sequence of getting the keys out of the car, throwing them over the fence, yes. <laughs> and they better make it over the fence. <laughs> right now, crawl under the car. And there's a great so will it yes. crawl in the, under the car? And will it like goes like oh come on? And he like plucks his lapels like my suit. <laughs> yeah, he's like you gotta be kidding. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. But he makes him get under the car and then he tells him to close their eyes and count to 100. Um, I did have a, a, a moment where I was like, oh, these guys are kind of pushovers. And I mm-hmm. think it's because, again, in later seasons that we've been watching, a lot of the time the context is that Jim is outmatched or Jim tries to get the drop, right. but the other, you know, he can't quite get it or something like he's on more equal footing with a lot of the goons. It could be that this early stuff establishes the pattern that the later stuff breaks. That's what I think it is. Yeah. 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 I, I do love it, though. This, yeah, it, it's a very, it's not that they don't do this later on, but like early Rockford fist fights are tactical. Yeah, because he's a big guy. Yeah. If Jim Rockford, or sorry, Jim Gardner wasn't playing the lead in the <laughs> Rockford files, he certainly could have easily played any of the goons. He could have been the goon that was a, that that would not go down when you would expect him to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, in this case, he does indeed uh, take take down the goons, and then we cut to Jim throwing their wallets on Dennis's desk. Why didn't Becker tell him about Manning? He knew Manning mm-hmm. was a cop. So Dennis just like just gives him a look. This is a good episode for oh, Dennis looks. Dennis looks. There's good Jim looks too. So I, I think maybe just the name, maybe there's a first name and a last name. I don't know. I wrote down a couple of different names in my notes and I'm not sure if they're all supposed to, I think they're supposed to be the same guy, but he calls Highland says a couple of, a couple of Sartella's goons, uh, or something like that. Yeah. 
leaned on Jim, tipped him about Manning, and we cut to to Captain Highland yelling at Jim, <laughs> and we have a whole go round of um, oh, so good of of, High, of Highland threatening Jim, Jim not being threatened. It's a no sell. Tell me what you're doing. You tell me what's going on. Yeah, and I think Jim offers, "I'll come clean if you do," and that's when Highland says, "Lock him up." Yeah. Dennis, uh, on what charge? We don't need a charge for 24 hours. Uh, he says that Manning is supposed to check in every hour, and he's two hours overdue. And mm-hmm. if he turns up dead, Jim will be an accessory after the fact. And then Jim come, oh. comes up with just the ice cold. No, I'm not. I'm not even going to be a material witness unless the DA can establish me on preliminary, which he can't. There's no foundation. And he can't get me in cross-examination for the same reason, so... Thanks for the invitation. I think I'll go fishing. Spin around, Captain. <laughs> it's good. It is good. It is. Oh. It's the setup of Rocky mentioning that Jim was. Uh, yeah, because early on, Rocky mentions that Jim went away. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Dennis brings it up like his rap sheet. And like, it's yeah, it's definitely oh, it's good stuff. Yeah. And again, it's good. Like, if you haven't seen the show yet. Mm-hmm. Not only is he an ex-con, he knows the law. Yeah, he, he can make yeah. it work for him. Captain Highland says that it's not that Manning's just a cop; he's special to him. He he was uh, he took notice of him as a rookie, and he broke him in. And I think he's trying to make the point that like he's only being so aggressive because he cares so much. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a personal thing for him. Yeah. Um, he asks if Claire Prescott is his client. And Jim says he can't say. So he threatens to lock him up again. Um, and, you know, which he can do for 24 hours, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so Jim does meet him halfway. He says that he'll ask Claire if she'll come meet with him. So Highland wants to talk to Claire. She might be the mm-hmm. last person who saw Manning before he disappeared. The dots being connected here are like, she's asked Jim to find Manning. Manning hasn't reported to Highland. She may have mm-hmm. something to do with Manning's disappearance, right? Yeah. I mean, we're still in the dark. Right. Uh, right. We're, it's becoming slightly clearer. Uh, so Jim will ask Claire to meet with Highland, but he can't promise that she'll do it. Mm-hmm. Jim leaves. Highland yells at Becker to follow <laughs> Jim, and Becker tries to back oh, off. Yeah. He's a maniac in a car. I'll never stay with him. How will you know until you try? I have tried two or three times. <laughs> we'll try again. Uh, so good. Yeah, I think it's in the preview montage, and it's... Uh, it's just as good on the on the page as yeah as that. I you know this is I was thinking about that when when I was watching it that like we don't get Dennis versus Rockford in this way right mm-hmm. like often there's tension between them and you know he's he's got a like Rockford wants a favor out of Dennis and Dennis doesn't want to give it and so that's the the back and forth. And occasionally, you know, a, a higher up is like, you bring Rockford in or something like that. But it usually involves Dennis just talking to Rockford on a phone saying, you got to come in. Mm-hmm. Right. This is like the first time that they're like, you need to follow him. And Dennis <laughs> is like, are you insane? <laughs> it's like, I know my limits. Yeah. And yeah. Again, we'd have to go to the tape to see if he's done this before or if we're just getting this from, you know. Yeah. Their history. But we do get to see on the screen here a short yeah. cut oh, of the Firebird good. really speeding around some corners and then cutting across a, a median. And and then we see Dennis trying to follow and just fishtailing on a big curve and popping his tire on a curb. So I think what happened, I because I rewound and watched what happened. Uh-huh. 
I may be wrong here, but I think this is another one of those classic Rockford just knows the streets. Mm -hmm. I think what happened is Rockford took a turn and cut into a parking lot uh, short. So he went up over the curb. And he goes over a little grass median. So there's like... A yeah. kind of like a ramp up grass and then and then like yeah. a short curb because the the uh the parking lot is closed and they have the spikes for the tires up or the it, um, it's the he's coming in where you would normally come out oh i didn't notice that part so dennis turns and goes right over the spikes because he see. can't make that tight of a turn and so i i i'm fairly certain that this is like again rockford just just knowing saw this spot once and thought at some point i'm gonna <laughs> lose someone because <laughs> you gotta imagine that's what he's doing every time he's out driving sure is that he's just like <laughs> like that drive through that car wash yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. like this is oh i could use this i could use that it was good it was really good um we have some good uh Again, just good early season harmonica filled transition oh, yeah. music stings. As Jim arrives at the hotel to see to find Claire, uh, he there's no answer to his knock. He easily either the door is open or he like picks it extremely easily. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, it looked like he had a key. Maybe. He might have had a key. I, yeah. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Yeah. There's a note on the bed and it says, Jim, I'm sorry. I'm scared. Mm -hmm. And it's signed Claire. So he calls Highland from her room, says that she's skipped. And Highland goes, stay where you are. You're under arrest. (laughs) So uh, Highland and Becker are on the scene. Uh, They are. So Highland is accusing Jim of tipping Claire off Mm -hmm. and like interfering with the investigation. Uh, tells him to go home, stay there. If he gets a call from Claire to call Highland, there's some more yelling and we get the exchange from the preview montage. I'm going to give you a tip, Buster. Now you go home and if she calls you, you call me. You understand? Because if you don't, I'll find something for you. Anything. I got city and county statutes you never heard of. I'll end up sending you to the showers. Now you got it. You got style, Captain. I know. (laughs) There's lots of good digs back and forth. Is this the one where he's like, because I wrote this down, he's like, they can't make sense even to you. Yeah. Like, to, to the captain, just like, yeah. And then this description of the captain. Uh, so the captain walks away, and it's Jim and Dennis. And Jim is like, he reminds me of a high school gym coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, you got him. You nailed him. <laughs> After Jim leaves, Becker tells Highland that they don't know who this Claire Prescott is and what her connection to Manning is. They need Jim's help on this one. He's the yeah. only connection they have. Yeah. So, yeah, so Becker says, I actually don't remember from my notes if he's telling Highland or telling Jim, but the thrust is they need Jim's help on this one. And he does tell Jim a couple of patrol guys are going to be trailing, yeah, you, yeah. you know, as opposed to him. Yeah, I think the implication is that these are guys who drive cars. They're not Dennis, right? And Jim says, well, tell them I'm on my way home. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to lose them. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, he sees the tail pull up behind him at his trailer, gives kind of a, a wry smile. Um, goes inside. Rocky is there. Can I, can I just say <laughs> the passive aggressiveness of Rocky in this moment? Oh, no, no. Before that, like, that's all good stuff. But there's this moment where he pulls up and Rocky's truck is there. And then he goes up and pauses at the front door. And I have never been more afraid <laughs> for Rocky. Cause it, you know, we've been trained. Jim gets jumped at his front door more often than not. And I'm like, Oh no, Rocky's there, but it, that's not it at all. 
Uh, Rocky's inside, and he is angry. <laughs> uh, did Claire call? I don't know. I was taking a nap. Maybe the phone <laughs> rang. I don't remember. <laughs> Jim asks again. He's like, okay, fine. She called about an hour ago. And he does give Jim the number that she called mm-hmm. from. But he clearly is having none of it. Um, Jim calls. Claire is waiting by the payphone. And he leads off telling her that he knows that Charlie's an undercover cop. Why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. And she didn't tell him for a lot of reasons, some of them sentimental. Well, it's time to clue me in. Forget the sentiment. <laughs> the kind of preamble in this conversation is kind of similar to the first one where there's a lot of where it's like she's kind of apologizing slash being wistful. And Jim's like, yeah, we're over. Like, it's done. I've moved on. Tell me what's <laughs> happening now. Yeah. And he has a good line. Uh, Somehow with us, it always ends up with me sucking air into my pump, which I don't know <laughs> what that means, but I get it. <laughs> I'm guessing it's a car thing out of fuel or something yeah, like that. Or, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I get it, even if I don't yeah, know yeah. exactly what it means. <laughs> yeah. Um, she tells Jim where she is. Don't bring any cops. You can come see me here. I'll tell you what's going on. So he says he thinks he can lose them. He'll be there as soon as he can. Uh, he hangs up. Rocky's been hearing his side of the conversation yeah. and just goes, I guess you know how dumb that was. <laughs> <laughs> Jim. Yeah, I know. But he d- needs Rocky's help. And I love how Rocky's like, okay, fine. I'll help. <laughs> yeah. To put Jim's blazer on and his, and, and drive his, drive his car, take the cops on a tour of Santa Monica. <laughs> this is where we have Rocky have a couple lines. He doesn't want Jim to go back to jail in those little rooms and like in the, the wire screen where we had to be on the phone to talk. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Uh, and, and he needs to help him get his paperwork in order for Wednesday. <laughs> Oof, that's stressful. <laughs> Poor Rocky. Jim assures him, he'll, you know, he'll be fine. During the conversation with Claire, he describes Highland, Captain Highland as a police captain right out of the forties films. Yeah. And I just, I had to go to, um, imdb to see if i could if maybe he played a famous police captain in the 40s but i can't find it so uh, uh he definitely was in films in the 40s but he he was 30 years younger then so yeah i don't think he would have been the right age yeah um well the plan works the cops follow the firebird uh before jim leaves the phone rings and it's becker charles manning was found shot to death in a hotel room yeah asks if he heard from claire he kind of grimaces and says no <laughs> and Dennis is very clear that Highland thinks Claire killed Charles Manning. Mm-hmm. So we have Jim and Rocky's truck to the White Owl Lounge, which is also has an entry at uh, Rockford Files. Oh, yeah. Locations.blogspot.com. Um, it is now a liquor store. <laughs> well, the, the building that was the White Owl Lounge is now been split into two and has two different uh, businesses in it. But it has a good shot of the excellent neon sign over the the doorway big thanks again to rockford files filming locations.blogspot.com yes so claire is indeed waiting for jim he starts off the conversation telling her that manning is dead do the cops think i killed him and he says Mm -hmm. i don't know what the cops think but i know you're playing me off against the cops yeah uh she apologizes again um has a line to the effect of like you must not trust me very much and right now and she says i don't trust you i don't even know you yeah (laughs) maybe i didn't know you three years ago you know i don't know what to believe i just want you to tell me what's happening yeah she says that three years ago manning was the one who made her break up with jim he was in the room when she did it oh right 
It's all coming out now. <laughs> at the time, she started a new hostess job at, uh, I, mean, I guess, presumably at uh, Jack's on the on the Jack's, yeah, on the beach. On the beach. Um, but she started this new hostess job, and then her boss, yeah, had her moving shoeboxes around, and she never asked what was in them. And mm-hmm. so I think Jim says, uh, like, was it like cash or drugs? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, it was it was narcotics. She was yeah. passing narcotics for her boss. Manning was undercover at the restaurant, I guess, you know, investigating this narcotic situation. So Manning saw what she was doing and pulled her in, told her she could go to jail for five years unless she did what he wanted to, you know, uh, bust this ring or whatever. Jim sighs, the world weary <laughs> sigh. Yes. What's the matter? You should have called me, Claire. I could have saved you a lot of grief. But he had nothing, nothing. It's an old police trick. He didn't have a good case against you. Uh, maybe he didn't have probable cause before he arrested you or he violated your rights, but you can bet one thing. If he had a prosecutable case, he would have ended up booking you and fingerprinting you. Manning didn't want her interacting with anyone outside of his, like, influence. And so he made her cut it off with Jim. It just now occurs to me that... Because Dennis told Jim she doesn't have a, a record. Right. He knows that she, well, doesn't know. He thinks that she hasn't been arrested for this. I, it's just It just now occurred to me that that tight little bit of storytelling happened there, right? Even though Dennis made that up, but like. <laughs> well, no, Dennis, well, Dennis did make that up. Yeah. Because he didn't actually look, but. Yeah. I think the the sense we have from him and Highland is that they literally do not know who this woman is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. like, I think, yeah, that all that all makes sense. Um, ask if the cops know she was a snitch. She says she doesn't know. She doesn't think so, which Mm -hmm. is in accordance with what we know. She helped him arrest at least 30 people over those three years. And if she testified at a trial, she wouldn't live through it. Yeah. Um, Jim asked Claire what she wants. And she says she doesn't know. She just wants Jim to believe in her. This is just a great tangle, right? Like, Mm -hmm. this is a good mess that she's in. Poor Claire. Right. Like, I don't want to, you know, like, uh, and also... To think that, like, Jim's whole situation with her is based on this thing, this moment when she's conned into believing Mm -hmm. that she has to work undercover, otherwise she's going to jail, right? Like, uh, and uh, now she's in this situation where you've got the the gangsters or whatever, whoever Stone and Willett are, Mm -hmm. Willett are, um... Yeah, the gangsters are are coming for it. The cops are coming for it. And the only person here that she can trust is Jim. Like, Jim's Mm -hmm. the only one who can untangle this. I don't know how Jim is going to untangle it. But it's just, it's a good setup. It's a good, juicy uh, setup here. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, we do kind of get the sense that, like, hmm. I mean, I guess both, you know, there's only so much of the episode left. And also, character-wise, she's like, you know, I'm not lying anymore. Right. I'm not trying to save face or save you. Cause that's the thing. It's like, why did she lie to him in the first place? Like, why didn't she just tell him this straight out? Yeah. Does she think he wouldn't want to help her? Or does she think that he would make it worse somehow by accident? Like there's right. some element of like, she doesn't really have faith in him enough to tell him what actually is going on. And so that also made things even worse. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty emotionally complex, which is nice. Mm-hmm. 
I guess the overall the characterization is still pretty. I mean, she's she kind of acts the same in each of these conversations. I guess is what yeah, I'm yeah. trying to get at. Like, yeah, she her character doesn't really change. It's but at least we learn a little bit more about the situation. The situation, yeah. Yes, if she has any money, she says no, and Jim says he can get five hundred dollars together for her to leave town. Um, and we get to kind of the nut of it. How how come you believe me? I don't know, Claire, but I do. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's like, okay, you finally come been straight with me. This is how we can solve the situation. Get you out of town. <laughs> like there is no solution trying to get reconcile what you've yeah, done yeah. with who wants you. Like you just got to get out of here. And I feel like if Jim is saying you got to get out of here, that means you, you, you got to get, get out of here. here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's nothing that Jim's better at than reconciling a difficult situation. <laughs> so Rocky can get the money. So he calls his trailer to talk to Rocky, but Rocky mm-hmm. is being held by our two goons. Oh no. Oh no. You have my wallet. I have your old man. And so they want to trade Rocky for Claire. Uh, we get the girl now, or you don't see your old man breathing ever again. So they set, an up, set up an exchange in a parking lot by the Santa Monica Pier in half an hour. And if we see one blue suit, we're going to put a bullet in this old jerk. <laughs> like, that's, that's unnecessary. I do like that whatever happened, Rocky had time to change out of the blazer mm-hmm. and into his windbreaker. Just enough time before they mm-hmm. barged in. All right. So Jim like has this conversation away from the table, comes back. Mm-hmm. Claire can see he's upset. What's going on? He he, he tells her, mm-hmm. um, I have about 40 bucks. He gives it to her. Get on a bus going south. Get to Mexico. Yeah. She says she wishes she could do something. She's so sorry. He says, like, what? What could you do? Trade yourself for my father? Would you do that? And there's <laughs> just the pregnant pause where she can't answer. And Jim just says, take the next bus. And, like, would you ask her to do that? Like, that's the, right. like, uh, yeah. It goes like, both ways. Jim is not asking her to do that. Jim no, is like, no. get out of here. Yeah. He's being practical about the situation. Yeah. This is like the grounded, mm-hmm. realistic Jim Rockford who, like, knows the score. He's not being romantic mm-hmm. about this. He's like, she's <laughs> never going to say, no, trade me for him. Like, no, she's not capable of doing that. And I'm not going to ask her to. So the only way to cut this this Gordian knot, if you will, is to get her just out of the picture. So he needs to figure out a way to get, you know, to save Rocky now. And I will admit that this, I was 100% prepared for this to be a standard, something goes down and then, but Jim set it up beforehand with Dennis and the cops right. come in at the nick of time yes, yes. kind of I situation. expecting that too. But then when he stops outside the mannequin store... <laughs> <laughs> The, the prophesized time has come. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd completely forgotten about this from Me the preview montage. I was like, Me oh, too. right, there's a mannequin. <laughs> so he smashes the window with a tire iron, pulls out a fully, I guess it's a dress store or whatever, yeah. pulls out a fully dressed mannequin with a wig um, into the passenger seat and uh, heads off to the rendezvous. He's there early enough that he can set her up in the passenger seat, put the seatbelt on, on, on the mannequin. And then he pulls the the bulb out of the dome light so that, you know, that won't turn on when he opens the door, which is a nice touch. We see the headlights across the parking lot and our goons have arrived with Rocky. They get out of the car. One has a, I think it's a rifle. It's a, a long gun. Yeah. And Jim heads over to them. They're like, where's the girl? She's in the truck. Uh, they can go to the truck to, to get her. I want to make sure Rocky's okay. Yeah. So the guy, uh, uh, Stone, with the rifle goes to the truck. The other... One, Willett keeps his, you know, keeps his gun on Jim as Jim gets a little closer mm-hmm. and asks Rocky if he's okay. And Rocky's like, I'm, you know, 
I'm doing okay, Sonny. When Stone leans into the truck and sees that it's a mannequin and shouts, hey, that distracts Willard yeah. enough for Jim <laughs> to give him the good old jaw punch, take him mm-hmm. down and grab his, well, they don't grab his, they don't have a chance to grab his gun, but it does take him down. Before he can grab his gun, uh, Stone starts taking pot shots with the rifle. So that's when they duck behind the goon's car. But before yeah. they can get in the goon's car, he shoots out the tire. So now they go running under the pier. This is when the the good spooky chase music starts. Mm. It's got this very quiet banjo track going in it that's very haunting. I really enjoy it. I enjoy that the goon, this is one of our smarter goons. He, yeah. go, he runs and gets into Rocky's truck and then chases yes. them onto the beach in Rocky's truck, which I don't think I've seen in any other episodes. No, this is good. I think this is the first I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I also like that it like you can see Jim and Rocky get tired on the sand. Yeah. You're not going to outrun the truck no matter what, but like... Again, there's kind of an element of strategy. It's like the sand is bad for the truck. The truck is not going to be able to go that fast, but it is a big-ass truck. So, like, can it go faster than you? Are you going to get tired before the truck bogs down? Yeah. Like, that's actually a pretty good, you know, strategic kind of race. Also, it's not like they have anywhere else to go, so... No, they just take it off, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they end up running under the pier and the truck can't really follow them. Like it either gets yeah. bogged down or it's too too tall, something like that. So now our goon is taking pot shots with the rifle as they're running between the wooden uh, uh, supports. Jim finds a spot to climb up and get under the decking. Sends Rocky down further. This is the, the most dangerous part. Like I, I'm like, but what, I mean, there's nothing you really can do with Rocky in this situation. Right. So you might as well tell him to get as far away as possible. But he is in some way baked. Right, yeah. But uh, thankfully, the goon does what he's supposed to do and passes <laughs> underneath where Jim is lurking. And Jim, I think I've said he's, he gets the drop. In, in my yeah. notes, I probably use the, the phrase gets the drop like 12 times by now. And here's yeah. where he gets the literal drop. Literal as, drop. He, yeah. as he spider monkeys <laughs> out of the, the decking onto the goon and uh, saves the day. So my expectations totally swerve. No cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was... I was in the same boat. I was like, okay, at any moment, Dennis and the cops are going to show up and uh, then these goons are going to have to surrender. But nope. Uh, we do end our episode with cops. As yeah. is the morning and Highland arrives as the goons are getting arrested and let off into, mm-hmm. uh, into cop cars. Uh, Justice will presumably be served. As he says, they've arrested Cassell. So... <laughs> Again, we can check off Cassell from our list of Italian mobster names uh, for future episodes. <laughs> um, I'll turn it all over to the DA. But they need the girl. She's a material witness in Manning's murder. Mm-hmm. And Jim says, no, she's not. She didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you know that? Well, I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> they have more more banter here. And then Highland uh, runs down all the charges he's going to throw at Jim. I'm going to bust you, hotshot. Everything from breaking into a clothing store, stealing a dummy, aiding and abetting okay, a fugitive, hotshot, withholding it. do that. And I'll just let the papers in this town know about Claire Prescott and how Manning turned her out. <laughs> Look in his log, see if he actually had anything on her or not. <laughs> or if Manning conned her into, you know, doing his dirty work. While Highland is saying, you know, I want to talk to her, Rockford. Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? <laughs> we see a bus pull up at the pier bus stop. Jim looks. Claire is on the bus. 
She looks out the window. They make eye contact. Jim smiles. And on Highland's final, where is she? Jim turns. I don't know. And we get a big (laughs) Garner smile. Yeah. End of episode. Yeah. That was a fun one. That one uh, is definitely a, a... I don't know if it was a romp. I don't know how high our standards are for romp, but it yeah. definitely breezed on by. Like, the pacing is very snappy. It was romp-esque. Romp-esque. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was well-paced. Uh, it got some good car chases in. Good. It had a lot of good action uh, poured into it. And I I did enjoy the the uh, troubled relationship tied into the, the plot. Mm-hmm. I, I did like that the... the the trouble in the relationship was actually a prelude to what got her stuck in this mm-hmm. situation in the first place, rather than, you know, because uh, there's a few times where Jim, you know, has exes that are in trouble, but it's it's not. They're just arriving out of nowhere to be like, hey, I need your help. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is good. Uh, good for season one. I could like mm-hmm. if I'm tuning in for the first time and I watched it, I'd be like, I'd watch this again. I'd like yeah. to see more of the adventures of jimbo rockfish jimbo rockfish yeah yeah definitely um has that good snappy pacing kind of keeps it moving Mm -hmm. i think my 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 criticisms of the episode are mostly just in context of other episodes like Mm -hmm. this this episode is is a a good meaty middle episode but other ones do the things that are in this episode better so i probably Mm -hmm. like them a little more right which you know something's got to be in the middle. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with that, but like like even, you know, for Linda Evans, like I like her other performance more than I like this performance. Yeah. yeah. Uh I think some of her some of Jim's other old flames are more interesting than Claire. Yeah. Um I do like how Rocky is so involved in this one and like Yeah. just is like okay, I'll help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's actually particularly um, interesting. Like, you know, we were talking about the advantage of us uh, watching these out of order. We get kind of a feel for how the early episodes are different from the later ones. But one of the disadvantages is that I have no clear conception of Rocky's evolution mm-hmm. with respect to Jim's job, right? I know Rocky in the beginning disapproves of it. And then... Uh, towards the end is accepting and even kind of proud of Jim and the things he's done, you know, that kind of thing. That is my general impression. Yeah. Here's a spot in the first season where he disapproves of things that Jim is doing, but not of Jim's job and is actually helping Jim out. I, I think there's a, I mean, you know, I'm sure we could construct a a bigger theory of Rocky. uh, Yeah. And, and one of the strands of this might be, this actually isn't about Jim's job. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's not on the job. He hasn't been hired. This mm-hmm. is there's a trivia point on the IMDb that's like this is the first episode where he doesn't say his rate of 200 a day. Oh, plus yeah. expenses. Uh, so this is the first time he has it hasn't even come up. Um, and Rocky's relationship to what Jim is doing is entirely filtered through. You had this bad breakup with this woman I disapprove of. Yeah. And in that way, being like, but I'll help you out kind of mm-hmm. like makes a little more like it, it's more consistent. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to some of the later season episodes where he makes a phone call in order to set up a con that Jim is then playing yeah. on, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing where he's more an active participant in the the bu- the business in the, the business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
again, don't know if that stands up to scrutiny. If we actually look point by point at each time right. this conflict comes up between Jim and Rocky. Uh, but I'm willing to bet that there's a dimension of, well, if it's not about work, Rocky is willing to help more mm-hmm. or is willing to help with less passive aggressiveness. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's what the plot needs to like. It's what each yeah, individual yeah. plot, yeah. what each individual script needs is what Rocky's going to do. It wasn't out of character. At this no, year. no, no. It, it was good. Um, Jim's out 60 bucks. Yeah. Uh, plus some gas and like I'm, I'm sure he he bought dinner at one point <laughs> uh i don't know other than that drink there's no no oh that's true that's no true. food no dinners no cooking you do get the lj <laughs> mention which is nice yeah i think that's part of why i always thought lj was a bigger part of the show is that early times they mention him a lot but he, he's not he, he's off screen yeah he's, he's he's not a um he's only in a few episodes yeah, uh, I don't have too much else to say. This one, I, a lot of what makes it kind of breeze by is the, the the car chases and stuff do take up a good amount of screen time. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of plot stuff going on in between. All the fights and car chases had good... Um, they had good meat on their bones. Yeah, yeah, they're tactical, right? Like somebody yeah. was thinking through, okay, what would happen here? Rather than like, um, not, not to be critical of this, but like they're not... You could, you could do a fight sequence... To make it look beautiful, and you could be like, you know, this is this is a ballet. Let's do that. But I think oftentimes the way they're written and and fought in the Rockford Files is to convey what the the various actors are are attempting to do, right? And like what their plan is, and mm-hmm. trying to convey that. Like, how do I use this situation? Like Jim tricking them into letting their guard down just in time for him to to like you said, mule kick one and and <laughs> and. Uh, slam the other and then uh that that shootout near the end that was great like the whole Mm. like jim didn't have a master plan he was just like i gotta just do this like rocky's in trouble i'm gonna be there and we'll we'll see what how it goes down i think it's an aspect that hasn't come up so much recently but i think feel like we've, we've talked about a lot which is that his situational awareness is so yeah high and like one of his skills is taking advantage of opportunities so one of his gambits is to put himself in a position where there will be opportunities Mm -hmm. and so this is definitely that where he's like so like i got the mannequin that is going to give me some kind of opening it's going to give me some kind of something where i can make something happen i just have to keep my eyes open and be ready to take take the moment when it comes and uh yeah it's good stuff it's good good jimbo rockfish action (laughs) yes all right Well, unless I am way off, and I will double-check before we record again, I think we just have the two-parter from Season 6, Only Rock and Roll Will Never Die, is our final adventure into the Wirediverse. The Wirediverse, the Wired Cinematic Universe. The Wired Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and we're going to do that in in a single sitting, most likely. Probably, yeah, that's how we've been doing it. So, uh, strap in. Strap in. Those tend to be a little longer episodes. We 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 rarely give out homework, but here you go. There's your homework. You got two episodes to watch before we talk again. Yeah, looking forward to that. I think I do feel like just just based on the logistics, it feels like we're going from one end to the other end. Like season one to season six. Yeah. One episode <laughs> to two episodes. One of his yeah. first episodes he's directed for the show. One of the last episode or the last episode he's directed <laughs> the last, for the show. Yeah. 
Jim is new and fresh. Jim is is old and broken. <laughs> yeah. We get, we're going to do it all. We're going to do it all. So, uh, you know, we do. I mean, our expectations are always high because uh, yeah. the show is good. But, you know, we'll try not to. Never been higher. Never been higher. No, I'll try to keep it. Yeah, try to keep it low key. Appreciate it for what it is. And uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so now that you have your homework, uh, <laughs> we will see you next time for the next William Wire directed episode of The Rockford Files. Ba ba ba